You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries was the first supporter of the Sportsman's Nation. I've gotten to know some of the people who work for that organization very well. It's an awesome company. They make awesome products and they have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So if you need help finding a specific battery, whether it's for your truck, whether it's for your trail camera, a remote control, a rangefinder, anything in between, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail store, talk with a specialist, and they're going to help you out. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome, 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 welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and we got another awesome episode for you today. We're going to be talking with one half of the identical draw brothers, Nate Crick, and Nate is going to talk to us about a hunter recruitment project that him and his brother have taken on and where it kind of stemmed from, why they feel it's right to do this. I mean, these guys are going to be taking like 20 new hunters hunting elk, antelope, whitetail, small game from all over the country. And it's just an attempt to spread awareness to people who might not otherwise be hunters that hunting is awesome in, in several ways. And whether it's the hunt itself or the whole food, you know, turning uh, the meat into a protein option and uh, getting excited about that. I think this is all something that we really need to think about moving forward. And that is maybe not being so selfish about our time that we have uh, allotted to hunt. And it might be worth it in the long run for future generations to maybe reach out to someone who has maybe never been hunting before but is curious about hunting and maybe all they need is that push a little tap into the world of hunting and then guess what we have more hunters and some people may think that's a bad thing but it's actually a really good thing because the more voices we have that support hunting means the more voices we have in voting booths and you know to get our back when let's just say the the anti-side tries to push at us a little bit so we talk about all those things in this episode uh we bs a little bit up front about their prep the logistics of this project we get into the project itself and i think you guys are going to enjoy this one but as always, before we get into this, I got to talk about Ozonics. And uh, you guys have heard me talk about Ozonics for a long time now. Uh, back when I first started the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, podcast, Ozonics, I mean, two things. There's there's three things that I think really changed my uh, success slash encounters. One was I stopped hunting field edges. That was part of being mobile. So one and two, stopped hunting field edges. I became a more mobile. I didn't hunt the same place over and over and over again. I, I went scouting and found the sign. And I, I got off the field edges. I went into where the deer were potentially staging. And then the last thing is 
playing the wind and learning how to be aggressive with an Ozonics. And yes, these guys pay me money to promote their brand. And I've been carrying around this unit for several, several years now. It was heavy back then. These guys have put a lot of research and development into this product. And I'm telling you right now, you can be a skeptic all you want. Um, This product has allowed me to be very aggressive with specific wind directions. It's not a magic bean. It's not going to work every single time. I mean, you can't be dumb with it. You can't go into the woods with the wind blowing right into a bedding area. But what you can do is sit on the outside of that bedding area and cut that wind really, really hard with an Ozonics in the air. And there have been times in the past where I have gotten away with murder, literally, because of an Ozonics in the tree that kind of saved my butt. So what I'll say is do your own research. If you have the opportunity to use one in the stand that you can borrow from a friend before you buy, I strongly suggest that. Or you can go to ozonicshunting.com. Check out their, there's so much information on on that uh, on that website about how O3 works, how ozone works, the uh, how how to use it. I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about it, but this is just a, a short commercial. Ozonicshunting.com, and I do have a discount code for you. And the discount code is NFC19. NFC19, and it is if you buy. An HR 300, an HR 230, or really any unit, even I think even the new Orion unit, you will get a free dry wash bag with your purchase. So you add it to the cart, and a dry wash bag is automatically added to the, uh, the cart. So that's a win for everybody. Now, let's get into today's, I guess we're going to call it like a hunter recruitment project podcast with Nate Crick. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, one half of the identical draw brothers, Nate Crick. Nate, what's up, man? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, we were uh, we were just chatting before we started recording that uh, you have a child coming fairly soon. Yes. Yep. Are you pretty excited yeah, for December. that? I am. I'm super pumped. December. Um, it's honestly, as soon as I say December, I know a lot of the hunting people are like, Oh, what do we got going on? Kind of post rut a little bit. That's what, that's what a lot of people's first, <laughs> first comments are to me always, but no, it's awesome. Um, it's funny. Um, our mutual friend, Spencer Newharth, yep. we're actually have, we're supposed to have him down to our Kansas property. Um, like that first week of December for a rifle hunt for our Kansas Navy land series. And so I haven't, I haven't touched base with him yet, but it's going to be like, we're going to, we're going to make something work because Thomas can always go down there and run the show. If I've got to be delivering the firstborn, you know? Yeah, so, that's a fact, man. So we'll make it work. So let's no, see, I'm Jack. this is your first, but your brother has one already. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is my first, but yes, my brother, Tom had their first last September. So okay. September 26th, I believe. So we had to end the uh, the all kind of little short, but it was awesome. His his wife Therese was amazing through it all. I mean, we'd we'd be out in the field. I mean, we were out hunting in Colorado, a good um, 12 hours from home, like until a few days before the baby came. So. Yeah. She was a champ. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, yep. my wife, a little bit the same. Our third child was born in September, and yep. like September 20, oh, geez, that sucks. He's my third, so I don't really need to know his birthday, really. <laughs> but um, right, they all miss. But it was, he's two months, and uh, I was lucky that uh, two years ago, that would have been the uh, eight. September 12th, no, uh, the 17th, right? Yeah. Uh, or the, uh, 2017, he was born. And I, luckily, I shot my deer like four days into my vacation. So I wasn't gone yeah. too terribly long um, yeah. from from there. So, but That's man, nice. you're flirting in that in that time frame where, you know, I know. The, the baby, the baby comes early. It's November. The baby comes know. late, you know, and uh, yeah, and you know, you know how it is. Uh, yeah, but 
I'm glad that you're having a kid because, dude, it's going to change oh, your yeah. life for the better. Oh, for the better. Oh yeah, I'm 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 super excited. I mean, I mean, it's it's having a kid versus deer hunting. There's not it's, they they don't really compare. But it's like I mean, I killed my buck last year, November 22nd. I'm like, we could it could easily be a Thanksgiving baby. So yeah. I mean, you just never know. But, I think, I think yeah, it's, it's all excitement. The ultimate dream is right. You just arrow a monster. You get him back to the truck, yeah. and your wife calls, and it's oh, like, yeah. oh my god, yeah. I'm going into labor. <laughs> yeah, pull it to the hospital. Big buck in the back of the truck. He's like, be back in a sec. Do you know if yeah. it's a boy or a girl yet? No, we. I think we're waiting. So okay, I don't all know. Right. I was I was on the fence there. I wanted to find out, but my wife Michaela has convinced me to wait it out. So. Okay. We're that's what I think we're doing. Well, so. congratulations, man. Hopefully everything goes yeah. uh in the right direction for you. Yeah. And yeah, thank uh you. we're gonna talk a little bit about this big retention push to get more mm-hmm. hunters involved into you know, hunting, people bringing mm-hmm. people into hunting. But uh and we're gonna get to that, but I wanna kinda just touch base with you as far as your prep this year. I know yep. that right now you are kind of putting all the logistics together for all these hunts you're going to be bringing new people on but as far mm-hmm. as you know your farm in kansas and uh anywhere else that you're going uh what's mm-hmm. 2020 looking like for you guys yeah i mean for for prep it's mainly that kansas property we we have a property in nebraska that we have permission on we don't own it ourselves but since buying this Kansas ground, we've really just been managing that and, and prepping on there. Um, we're excited, but it's it's kind of interesting. Our property, it's 80 acres, and 70-something of those acres is all timber. It's just thick timber. Um, we have a three-acre bean plot on there, but deer, bucks, we have a lot of does. The bucks, big mature bucks, do not summer on our property. Yeah, We have not had a deer over the age of probably three years old on our ground since like February. Well, that we've seen on camera, of course. So it's like we, the summers are always such a miss. And I mean, we only bought it two years ago. So this is only our second summer, but even last year we had like one, like maybe two, two mature bucks uh, that we had pictures of maybe once a month last summer. So the bucks just don't hang on our ground, which always like, always in the back of my head like what's the season going to be like with no bucks but last year as soon as i mean september and october rolled around we were just having new mature bucks pop up left and right on our cameras so it's just like i'm just trying to be patient just like they will come just don't freak out right now yeah this isn't a summer in ground form but i mean as far as preps go we've got a lot of cameras up right now um we use spartan cell cameras and brownings um so that's really nice we're getting pictures we're getting pictures of those no bucks of course but um i don't know our tree stands aren't up too much um we have one set that's up we've been working on the food plots like like i was saying we've got a three about a three acre bean plot and uh we'll throw some brassicas in there later um probably in august sometime and we've got a little clover plot but yeah that's kind of it for the for the prep for the whitetail stuff um i i was listening to i think your last podcast and you were saying that your last card pull was a little slower than you thought oh dude it was now don't get me wrong right i am this time of year really doesn't transition into the fall for me right Right. because there's this huge shift that comes in september and the deer split once they become hard horn they go somewhere else but typically this time of year especially in this early july time frame i have a lot of and when i say a lot i mean five to seven shooter quality deer on my farm and on the farm that i hunt and this year it's only one and then the next Mm -hmm. the next one is a three-year-old all the way down you know he's like a 133 year old and i know that's relative to wherever you know wherever the listeners are listening at whatever state they live in but for me it's just a very odd year and i don't know if it has to do with the crop rotation i I don't know if it has to do with disease. I don't find many dead deer, you know, during shed season or, or during the summer months, but it's one of those things where it just kind of took me for a surprise. Mm -hmm. And when I say that I look back on previous years and I know that as soon as the beans start to bud out and the deer really hit the bean fields as a main food source, 
then more deer kind of funnel into the area. So right okay. now it may seem slow, but I think that in about two weeks to three weeks, we're going to, I'm going to see an uptick the next time I go to check my cameras. So, yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's always, I mean, we have that same thing come around, but like our Nebraska property that we have permission on, if, I mean, if we throw a bag of corn and a camera out there, we're getting a handful of nice bucks, Yeah. but we just can't, we just can't get a picture for the life of us down there in Kansas. But I mean, we know there's a lot of bucks in the area. I mean, through last fall and even through the winter, we had a bunch of deer shed on our property. We had like our biggest buck going in this next season. I mean, he blew up this last year and we're hoping that he puts on a ton this year. And we had, we had both this shed. We knew we had pictures of him like completely shed. Um, and then just, it just hits March and April right after they shed and boom, they're just nowhere to be seen. So yeah. we're just, we're just trying to be patient. We know that they'll, they'll come back eventually. Cause I mean, we've got a bunch of bedding, we've got the does and they'll, they'll return in the next few months. So yeah. And that's, the, that's the same with, with my farm is there's this, I think a lot of it has to do with the bachelor groups breaking up. They're kind of going back yeah. into their little zones where they're the dominant buck in. And then when the food uh, source starts to change and the, the beans are not as palatable as they are in the summer months, they go back to different food sources and then things kind of settle down. And then what I see is a, a, a slight little shift somewhere in October where yep. you know once the big deer start getting on their feet then there's a, another little change in the cycle but yep. i want to talk about this this one particular buck that you've been watching for the, yeah. the past couple years on this farm you found his sheds he's a you know he's, mm -hmm. he's a shooter have you patterned him yet not not just on your farm but knowing where yeah. he potentially lives on other farms yeah so he it's been interesting. He was one of the, the only bucks that the person that sold us the land February 2019, he was one of the only bucks that we still had around the farm from that first batch of trail cam picks. Um, and he was that first, that first year pictures that we saw of him, he was probably 110, 115 inch deer. And then this last year, we bought, we got both of his sheds and I measured, I rough scored him at like 162 inches. Right. So he put on, a, so he took a big that's jump. That's a jump. Yeah. So we were, we're trying to figure out, we were looking through trail cam pictures of him. We had so many trail cam pics of him this last year, but the interesting thing about him is we didn't get pics of him until October 31st. Yeah. Um, that's why we named him Freddy Krueger, but, um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's the date. So he just, he comes to our property late. But he was daylight so much. I mean, we had him daylight November 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th, all in the same cameras. But at, at weird times of the day, we'd be hunting these certain stands. And because of a lot of the wind and stuff and also just having the property, hunting it for the first year, we just weren't sure where to set up. So, I mean, he was, he was just all over the place. Um, so we do know this general corridor. Um, we're really lucky. We have awesome neighbors in the area and so we can text any of them and be like hey do you have any like you've seen them lately and they'll they'll be totally honest with us and we we do the same with them and so we know the property at least to the west he doesn't frequent that much um but the properties to the north and south he definitely does so um there's this this little corridor it's between a really thick bedding patch in the center of our 80 acres and between the beans on the west side so there's just little like opening of less timber that he just works in between and that's where that camera was that we got in like four days in a row but i mean he was consistent through the property throughout like i said february when he shed and stuff um so we're trying thomas and i were actually just talking because we're going down to the property tomorrow we're going to go and scout out a few different trees along that corridor that we think we could probably cut them off um, it's all about just figuring out that access in a good tree because our property is just full of these, uh, it's full of honey locusts and hedge, which are just tough trees to put stands in. So we're going to need to be doing some work to, um, figure out where to put a stand for this guy. But yeah. I had him last November, November 21st, the day before I killed my buck, actually, he came to 10 yards on me 
and it was one of those situations. He was on a field edge, and just just trees were blocking my shot basically, and uh, just didn't work out. He came to ten yards. He came to the grunt. He was out at like sixty yards. Um, he was actually out broadside at fifty yards. I just don't take shots like that anymore because I've screwed up too many times. So he came. I grunted him into ten yards. He just he hugged the field edge too tight that there were branches in the way, and uh, eventually caught some either wind gust or just knew something wasn't up, wasn't finding a buck in that area and kind of trotted off. But having that experience with him was just nuts. Um, so we know he'll be around late season in that probably around that bean plot too. But it's still trying to, to trying to put the pieces together on that one. Um, are I mean, you guys, uh, are you guys believer in annual patterns? I mean, you, you yes. mentioned that you had trail camera pics of him four days in a row in daylight. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be in a tree on that farm those four days? Yeah. Oh yeah, you can guarantee we're gonna be in tree. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's all it's he's a mature buck and I know he's gonna be extremely hard to kill, um, even if we get that opportunity, but it's also like I think we got this deer this year. I mean he, he both of his sheds were on our property. He's the only deer that we had a match set of the only buck that we had a match set of for shed antlers this last year. So it's like he's he's a homebody in that area. If we can find a good stand for access and stuff, I think he's I think he's hopefully going to be hanging on the wall sometime soon in the next few years. So we'll see, though. He's a true buck, and he's he's probably going to outsmart us. <laughs> they often do that sometimes, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. real quick, when it comes to hunting that property, mm-hmm. and you're bringing on, you know, you're going to be hunting with a lot of new hunters. You're going to be going all over the place. Have you mm-hmm. Have you set time aside on this? kansas farm to bring new guys in it sounds like uh spencer's coming for a a late rifle hunt but is there anybody Mm -hmm. else coming on this kansas farm that you guys have um as far as kansas no okay uh spencer and it might like a few family buddies but the issue we had was we were still um piecing this whole new hunter thing together when we had to be you had to be applying for kansas so a lot of the states that we're doing these hunts in, we can just buy over-the-counter tags up until like, during the season. So the issue we had with Kansas was figuring out that timeline. And so that was, yeah, that was the issue there. But eventually down the road, we're definitely going to be having people down to that property. So Well, that's great. And yep. you're a bigger man than me because uh, what happens <laughs> if some guy who's never hunted before shoots a, a 170 that you've kind of uh, had this huge, yep. st- huge storyline with, you yep. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we've 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 been thinking that through too, definitely. But it's Thomas and I. One thing we've been talking about is like we have the busiest schedule we've ever had this fall. Yeah. And we're going to be hunting during late October, November. I mean, December. Great times to kill big bucks. And I know we're just with those Spartans. We're going to be getting daylight picks when we're on a hunt in Nebraska with some new hunters or up in <laughs> South Dakota, and we're just that's just what's going to happen. I mean, you yeah. should be loading up the truck and head down there, but I mean, that's about that sacrifice that you gotta you gotta have so. yeah yeah all right let's get into this uh recruitment project that you guys are doing mm-hmm. and what brought it on really what brought it on was that ata summit that you and i were both part of yeah the, one, the one where i was crying yep oh yeah yeah <laughs> well, you know i was i was gonna comment they just had something similar um with you know with mark and aaron that they led was the webinar Yep. And I was like, this thing isn't nearly as good without some Dan Johnson comments. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't, doesn't nearly have the flair. <laughs> yeah. 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 I lost my, uh, I, I let emotions <laughs> take control of that one. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. You, you guys are in, you were in this, uh, this little summit that we had and, you know, mm-hmm. talking about what we can all do to, raise awareness for the sport of hunting and you guys come up with the idea of hey let's get some new people involved yep yep that's exactly it and i mean it took a while like thomas and i we weren't sure on how we wanted to do this we were really focused on like getting content out there that like will help new people get outdoors but we eventually came to this thing like how can we make the biggest impact in this area and how can we put it out for people to see and all this stuff? And basically, we both knew the idea of like, hey, we just need to take new people out. We need to, we need to dive into this fully. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about it, but there's like just as many people that 
aren't doing much about it. And so it's it just came to this thing of like we like we, we want to have an impact on these people and people that are watching this because yeah we had I mean we had about 250 people of uh, new hunters enter to come hunting with us this fall. There's a lot of people. There's a huge need for mentors like Thomas and I to be able to take people out. But I mean, I, I don't know. It just was like, how can we have the biggest impact? Showing people how to go through the steps. We've already had a lot of back and forth with a lot of these new hunters on how to get tags, what equipment you need, just basic things that um, take years to basically, I mean, figure out. Finding the gear and finding the places and finding the tags is, is hard to do. So we were just basically like, okay, we're going to take out like 20 new hunters and we're going to film it all and it'll be a great resource for people wanting to get out and it'll also be a great resource for the people we actually do take out. Hopefully they want to talk to their friends and family about it too. So, yeah. yeah. So... You've had you had 250 people reach back out to you when you made the original announcement saying, "Hey, we're gonna we want to take in new hunters." What was the sti- what were the stipulations? What was the um, the definition of a new hunter? Yeah, so basically, Thompson and I we were, we were trying to figure that out, and because we had a lot of people like reach out like, "Hey, um, I've been hunting for quite a few years, but I've never done archery," and we were like, "Well, like." it's easier for them to figure out archery because it's just a different weapon. They know how to get out in the field and stuff like that. So we're like, we, we want people that are fresh, like not have not been hunted. I mean, if they, if they went hunting for a year with their dad, when they're really, really young and they don't remember anything, but want to get back at it and do it. Yeah. We definitely take them out. So we had a certain age bracket. Um, basically you had to be 18 years or older. Um, and then we could take, we took as old as you wanted. Basically we had entries into the, I mean, 40s, 50s. I don't think we had any six-year-old entries, but um, yeah, we had. I mean, a wide variety of people. But it was basically like, can you pay for these tags? Because it's not, it's not a win a free hunt deal. It's yeah, like we still need you to be able to travel to these places. We still need you to be able to pay for these tags. Yeah, we have some amazing sponsors that are donating to help cover some of those costs. But definitely, I mean, a lot of those aren't going to be covered. Um, And so it was basically, I mean, a few guidelines of can you can you cover these things? Are you old enough? Can you get time off of work? And for hunting, I mean, like little, little to zero experience. And most of the people that um, reached out to us have been like, yeah, I've, I've shot a bow or a gun like a handful of times in my life with, with my family, but never been out in the woods. Or we had one person that was like, hey, I went out to try to get a turkey this spring for three days, first time out hunting. I'm trying to I want to get out this fall for the first time. So it's like those entries that's like they are brand spanking new basically. Um that was uh, it's a go for them. So Yeah. So where are you guys going and and I guess mm-hmm. how did you how have you kind of put this together on how you um selected these individuals? Everybody's kind of new, yeah. right? Yeah. You got entries yeah. from all over the United States. How did you piece this together? Yeah. So basically, we already had like, if I'm being honest, we already had our full fall schedule planned out of the hunts that me and Tom wanted to do, and we basically realized like, hey, like these are all over the counter. Besides, I mean, Kansas is, I mean, lottery, but all these other tags are over the counter. We just need to, we just need to take away our our pride and want to kill the animals ourselves and open it up to other people. So that's basically what we did. We already had these hunts planned, and we are going to – we're starting off the season in South Dakota um, for an antelope hunt, and then we're going to go straight into a Nebraska mule deer hunt out west, um, and then we're going to have a big mix of some Nebraska whitetail. We are doing a Colorado elk hunt. It's, again, over the counter. We've hunted there for the last three years. Um and then we'll finish with some more Nebraska whitetail. So, I mean, in, in Nebraska, we're going to be doing, well, I guess all over, we're going to be doing public and private. Colorado elk tag, of course, is public. South Dakota hunt is public. Um, in Nebraska, we have a mixture of um, some friends that have property that will let us hunt and then also be doing public hunts there, too. So that's kind of where and how those tags are all over the counter. People can get them. Um, the biggest thing was just cost we were worried about. I mean, that Colorado elk tag is for a non-resident is near 700 bucks. So yep. those are things that we kind of have to work, work through, but yeah, that's, that's basically the where, um, 
for as far as how it was it was tough narrowing people down um let me let me interrupt real quick let me interrupt real quick you were looking for brand new hunters and you guys before this put out hunting related content meaning that a majority Mm -hmm. of the people who followed you on social were probably already hunters right yep so how did you get to find these new people so we we have amazing partners that also posted this thing up we we did a huge push on the actual identical draw socials but we also had first slide did a post for us onyx did a post for us vortex did a post for us and so every time those people would would post it up we would just get flooded so um we also like um, mule deer foundation they they share us our stuff like all these all these different organizations that want to be a part of it are are sharing so the word just starts getting out and we just i mean that's basically how it all came to um because like you're right i mean we've only we've only got so big of a reach for id but once i mean a big company like first land non-x vortex i mean as soon as they post it out they're reaching a whole different market of right of people so right we right. had i mean we had a lot of like Hey, my friend saw this and I'm new to hunting. We had a lot of that too. So cool. So it sucks that you can't, it sucks that you can't take everybody hunting, right? You can't take 200, 200 people with you everywhere you go. So how did you, uh, Mm -hmm. was it a draw? Was it picking out of a hat? What was the deal? Yeah. So we, we're going on hunts with these people. I mean, we are going sometimes in the back country out West. I mean, far away from roads. I mean, it's, it's going to be some crazy hunts. So we were like, we need to really know these people before we take them out. So we had, you had to either write in like a word doc, answering a few questions, telling us about yourself or a video. So that was basically the first round of, um, entries that that's the, like we had about 250 of those. Once we got all of those, we took those down and who gave us the most information who like, really dove into like giving us like the, the information that we were looking for and who kind of just like threw it in, like, like hoping for a chance. Um, but like you said, we, we wish we could take everybody out. The entries were fantastic. I was honestly super surprised about how much time people put into these things. I mean, we got several, I mean, like it seemed like a book from people. Um, wanting to do this and being super excited that it was, I mean, an opportunity of a lifetime. We had a bunch of that. We had, this is a dream opportunity, things like that. Um, and so it, it, it was hard narrowing it down. So we took that, those 250 ish entries and this last, last 10 days, we've narrowed it down to about 60 of those people that we were like, Hey, these people, um, not only do they sound like great individuals, they sound like they want to pass it on to other people they are brand spanking new, um, just a bunch of bunch of things. Um, and we took those sixty individuals and we we're like, hey, we need a video because we want to see these people. I mean, talking, see, see what kind of. I mean, you can you can hide behind our word doc, but we really want to see what what are these people like because we want to we want to make sure that I mean we're going out with awesome people and so that was our basically our next thing. Like, hey, we're gonna we reached back out to sixty people and be like, hey. You, you made the first kind of cut of this whole new hunter thing. Tell us more about yourself. Are you, are you going to be able to pay for this much for a tag, this much for travel? Will you be able to get the dates off of work? And then now we're just going through those last 60 and narrowing it down to our 20 hunters for this fall. So, okay. yeah, it was quite the process, but it was, it was tougher than I thought it was going to be. All right. So of, let's say, the people who made that first cut and then you kind of whittled, yeah. whittled it down to 60. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Are they your standard white male, or did you guys get some diversity like uh, blacks and women and uh, you mm-hmm. know minorities? Mm-hmm. No, we we were really happy. We got a really good mix. So we're going to be out of the 20 ish people. We're going to be taking out at least six to eight women. I bet. Um, and then, I mean, we had a huge, huge diversity. I mean, we did, we did, I guess out of like the widespread picture of things, it was definitely that white male. I mean, third twenties, the forties, but throughout this all, we also, I mean, we wanted to pick, we wanted to have a diverse group because I mean, that's, that's what I think is hurt hunting a lot of how wide it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we want, we wanted to create that diversity too. So yeah, this, we're really, really happy with 
the amount of different people that reached out to. So that's awesome. Man. Um, it was it was interesting. I was gonna I was gonna ask you. Out of all these emails, we've had one reoccurring name that has come up more than anything for why they want to get out hunting and who who inspired them to be hunting. I wanted to see if you could guess who it was. <laughs> uh, one person is like in a bunch of these emails. Be like, I saw this and this person made me want to go out hunting. <laughs> I don't know. Any uh, ideas? Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to sound arrogant and say it's me, but yeah. it was me. Was it? No, nope, it nope. wasn't. Surprisingly. Oh, no. that's Surprisingly awesome. Enough, it was not you. Okay, I thought um, you were. I thought you were leading me on. Now I seem like an asshole. No, no, I <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely had a few. I had people. I was like most of the podcast. Podcast was huge, so we did have a few. We had we had a lot of like Kenyans and stuff, but the one person was Stephen Ranella. Yeah. And I think a huge part of that is food. Like yeah. out of all these emails, that was a reoccurring thing. I want my own food. I want healthy food. I want this, and I was like. That that is a huge approach for these these new hunter things because like like we were talking about that ATA social summit to go back to that a big deal was like hey like people want to know where the food's coming from and I think it was super it was super interesting to see how many people it was majority by a long shot yeah were getting into hunting because of food man that's awesome yeah. I like hearing that yeah. because yeah I'm a food guy like I love. Yeah to be creative with my venison and you know, the mm -hmm. stuff. And then I don't know about you, but every time I sit down to a meal that I'm where I'm eating something that I harvested or for example, mm -hmm. something that I helped pack out like last year, my buddy's mule deer, he shot a giant in South Dakota. I helped him pack it mm -hmm. out. I'm eating it and I just relive those memories. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like just additional oh, yeah. stimulation. Oh yeah. It's huge, yeah. I mean, it's part of the hunt. Yeah. When you put in some sweat for that animal, yeah, it's it's crazy different. So, um, what are you guys planning to accomplish with this? I mean, is it is it the full circle? I mean, are you teaching? Are you going to teach these people to you know, like, hey, if we select you, you have to be prepared with your weapon. We're going to teach mm -hmm. you how to gut and clean. There's a possibility yep. you're going to need to pack out, and then we're also going to inform you on what you need to do to process this meat and then potentially cook it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we're doing the full process. Um, a lot of these people, we've been like, hey, we need to, like, hunter safety and tags. That's, like, the first thing. Like, we need to make sure you're all lined and good with the regulations. And we've, we've been super open because, you know, that's challenging. Like, we're giving everybody our phone numbers. If you have questions about figuring out how to get hunter safety or get tags, like, we, we like, we know that websites are, are usually helpful, but sometimes it can be complicated. You're like, hey, give us a text or call. Like, we want to make this as simple as possible. So that's the first step. Other than that, um, we've we've been super blessed with our partners being great. So we're gonna be able to get these people a lot of great gear um, at discounts or for free, um, and also help pay for some of those tags. But then it's like, hey, when you come hunting, like we don't want this to be a pressured scenario for people. We want people to be comfortable the whole time. If if they're not comfortable with their weapon shooting a, a living animal, then they're not gonna shoot a living animal. Like. We're, Thomas and I, we're going to have tags on most of these hunts. So if they just want to come and learn from us and have a year or two to get used to their weapon before they go out, that's great. Um, we've, we were lucky enough, Bear Archery, one of our great sponsors, they, they sent us three crossbows. And so we're going to be able to have crossbows for these new hunters, which I know the QDMA has worked a lot with crossbows and it being a, a good starting weapon for, for new hunters. So that's, that's going to be something that I think is a lot easier to shoot than like a compound bow. Um, so we do have weapons all lined up. But it's like, yeah, I mean, put into practice. A lot of them um, already, I was actually surprised. A lot of them had already been like shooting like for the last few years, but just never, never could figure out how to get out hunting or never had the opportunity to get out hunting. So there's a few of them um, in those final submissions that have like been shooting for like the last few years, but um, just haven't been out hunting. So that's, that's helpful too, but it's going to be a hands-on hands-on deal we're just gonna just dive right into it most of the hunts depending on where we are we're gonna start with small game um get out get out either like a, a 22 or just be um shooting i mean rabbits squirrels things like that with, uh, i mean even a shotgun can help kind of get that whole like hey i harvested this animal thing yeah um and then we're gonna 
hopefully dive into the the bigger game with with people if they're interested. But yeah, I mean, if if you're coming with us and you're shooting an animal, I'm gonna you're gonna get your hands bloody if you're ki- killing something. You're gonna be packing out meat in your back and feeling the whole thing. So that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. that's where certain people. Right. Like for me, I grew up on a farm, so the death of an animal does not bother me. I know where meat comes from. Mm -hmm. But I think and we've talked about this at that social summit. There's a disconnect between where people get their food and, you know, where they think and how they think. Like, does meat just appear in the grocery stores? No, an animal has to die in order for you to eat protein like that. So um, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm. I'm pretty interested to see, uh, are these people from kind of all walks of life? I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, a guy who is willing or is able to drop everything and go on a, an expensive elk hunt with you, um, has to have some kind of financial stability. And I mean, Mm -hmm. are these people from inner cities? Are they from rural settings? Like what's the breakdown there? Huge mix actually. Um, Big, big mix. We've got, I mean, we're getting people from New Mexico, I mean, Cali, New York, Oregon, uh, Florida, I mean, the whole gamut of, of locations. Um, and it's it's honestly been really interesting to see. We had one, one entry from, like, the Midwest states. Okay. It's just nuts. I mean, we just didn't get, like, I guess we, I, we had a few more than one, but, like, there were literally a handful. I mean, of like one Kansas, we had like one Nebraska. I mean, they were just so slim because a lot of people in the Midwest are already like, I think a lot of them already hunt or no hunting or something like yeah. that. But it was incredible to see like the the West Coast was by far our biggest population of of people wanting to do this whole thing. So it's it's all walks of life. I mean, it's interesting enough our the guy that's coming on the Colorado elk hunt, he, um, he's from New Mexico and he fights forest fires. He's like on the hotspot crew and stuff, which was really interesting to hear all of his story. Um, and he's just, he's just an interesting fellow. So we're, Thomas and I are super excited to like hear all these people's stories and where they come from and why they ended up emailing in a submission to want to come hunt. It's going to be really interesting to see, all the makeup of that yeah absolutely and that's good for you that that's what this guy does for a living so he's going to be somewhat yeah. in shape up in colorado no, yeah yes. <laughs> he didn't have some you we were thinking that through yeah <laughs> yeah i mean some flatlander if we yeah it would be terrible if they got to the colorado cabin that we stay at which is i mean it's a smidge under ten thousand feet and just got altitude sickness the whole time right <laughs> so we were definitely we were picky about that tag but when he emailed us and he's like, yeah, I, work, I do forest fires in New Mexico. I'm huffing up and down mountains every single day of the week. We're like, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. We're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to learn just as much from these people as, I mean, they're going to learn from us hopefully. So what uh, yeah. is the number, the total number of people that you'll be taking out? Yeah. We, we haven't like figured out like an exact number, but right now we're 18 to 22 people that okay. we're going to be taking out. So okay. it's, it's a mix and that, that honestly, that's not even like we're, we have, uh, like brother-in-laws and family members that we're going to be taking out this fall too, but we're not really counting them into the whole new hunter thing. So, I mean, we just, a big reason of why we want to do this is because we like introducing new people, whether it's, it's filmed or not, or whether like we, we do a big thing about it or not. We've Thompson and I have been, we've invested into our wives getting outdoors, cousins getting outdoors, brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, all these things. So it's like, I don't know. We've always just been really interested in all that whole, that whole thing. So that's, that's one of the reasons why we, this idea was kind of, kind of set up for us. I feel like, cause some people, there, there's a certain population of people that would be able to do this. And there's a certain population that wouldn't be able to just straight up. So, it's, I mean, we already were doing this before we thought of this idea. So it was just kind of, it was easier for us to be like that. I think we should do that. Just dive into it fully. So are you guys, are you guys heading East at all to accommodate some of the other people? Like instead of having them come out to Nebraska and Kansas Mm -hmm. and uh, the, Mm -hmm. the Midwestern States, I mean, obviously the biggest population set in the, in in America is the East coast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, 
that's the thing that's been tough about this. I mean, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Colorado are our go-tos, and so we're trying to figure that out because, we, like I said, we, we, we got some from, like, I think we had a few entries from the Carolinas. We had, I mean, like Florida and stuff. And I mean, just travel begins to get a lot. So, I mean, if we do this again, which we, I mean, we're going to see how this fall goes, but we're definitely, we would definitely consider spreading out our hunts across the country easier so that the travel's not so intense. But mm-hmm, we just kind of did some hunts that we already are familiar with so that we, I mean, we know how to, how to handle this, especially with taking out someone new to the woods. So, yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. when, when you look at this and when you envision how this, uh, this fall is going to break down for you, what are mm-hmm. you guys thinking is going to be the best case scenario? What's the end goal here? Yeah. What's it going to look like? Best case scenario. Um, we, we just want to have a, a fun time. Um, and if we are able to harvest a few animals, then great. We want these people just to learn a wealth of information and be able to go do it themselves. I mean, that's the, that's truly the end goal. Um, it's killing an animal is very difficult, like like physically, mentally, all those things. Um, so we're, we're not going into this fall. Like hopefully we can just stack up a bunch of animals because that is a slim chance of happening. But the end goal is just giving these people the tools to be able to go back home and, and continue to do it. So, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. We want to be as relatable as, as possible. Um, we know that a lot of them are going to become to private land in Nebraska where they might not go home and be able to have private land. So we also are going to want to give them public land um, skills and also like, hey, wh- what is it like hunting at home? How can we help you get home and continue to do these things? Because we don't want them just to come here and just drop off and stuff. So. We basically just want to have a great, positive, fun experience. They want to, I want them to get home and be pumped up yeah. to go do this more. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about what got me out there. What made me super, super pumped to go out hunting? And it takes me back to, like, the days of hunting with my family, with, with my dad and uncles and brothers. And um, I, I lived for that weekend. We, we hunted one weekend out of the year. We hunted the pheasant opener in Nebraska, and that was it the entire year. And I will look forward to that day so incredibly much just because I got to see my family. It was super fun. It was relaxed. I got to hold a BB gun in the field. It was amazing. So I'm trying to like retake those memories and those feelings that like I can still get sentimental about today and be able to put it into these hunts that are going to happen this fall. And when I come to it, it's just like, well, I don't want these people to be comfortable. I want them to have a great time. And I want them to have those experiences with nature that we we can still see clear as day to day in our mind, even though they happened 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been, Thompson and I are more excited about this fall than we have been our, our entire lives of hunting because I, I think about our elk hunter hearing their first beagle or, I mean, uh, a whitetail hunter that has never seen a, a little doe come up 10 yards in front of him, just be able to watch that living animal just eat right there or whatever. So it's like those little experiences. I just want to like, just have them dive in fully and just kind of let them get hands on and see where things go. Yeah. So I think I heard a statistic somewhere that says it takes roughly two to three years of mentorship before Mm -hmm. a hunter makes a hard decision on whether they will or will not continue hunting. And if they, you know, if they choose yes, then they, you know, it's almost like, yeah, we don't need to worry about them anymore because they're on their own now and they've mm-hmm. made the decision to be a hunter. But if you drop someone off before that, there's a chance that, you know, they, they rely on that mentor for year two and possibly year three to help them get the traction they need to be yep. a quote unquote hunter. So have yep. you guys thought about what you're going to do to follow up with these people after this year in hopes that they continue down that path yeah we thought a little bit about it haven't dove into it a ton but a few things is one like being completely open with them and like giving them like having them easily be able to reach out to us again like we want them like we want to create a friendship with these people so that when next summer rolls around and the hunting season's there they can text about hey like i want to do hunt around home yeah like these are some things i'm trying to figure out i want them to be comfortable to be able to reach out and figure those things out um but I also 
I'm hoping that filming these things can reignite fires in these people when when that time comes around and like filming this whole story and like capturing some of that emotion of being out in the field for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that does something too. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but like it's tough to keep people interested in that. So I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that we just give them such a good time and things are like, we can relate to them back home enough that, Hey, this is easy enough to, for me to go go back and figure these things out. So that yeah, that's that's I mean that's a tough thing to figure out. We're going to continue to do that. But I think one thing with every single hunter is like, hey, we want you to do this when you get home. What are some things that you think are going to be tough, and like how can we help you overcome those hurdles? Yeah, yeah, man, so, that's a that's a big undertaking what you have in front of you. But uh, what I mm-hmm. will say is that it's necessary and i'm glad that yep. you guys are taking on this task to uh mm-hmm. to do this because uh you know let's be honest the hunting community needs to grow if we are going yep. to uh be successful for that next generation and uh so kudos mm-hmm. to you guys for taking this task on it's a big one and uh i hope everything works out so nate yeah thank you yeah. very much yeah, for you. uh coming yeah. on and talking about this today if people want to find out more about this project where should we send them to find out more about uh, not only this project but identical draw yeah so um as far as like the project you can find a lot on our website uh, it's just www.identicaldraw.com and then like instagram and facebook it's just at identical draw um we're going to be posting a bunch about it I'm not sure when it's going to drop, but we're going to be announcing everybody um, July 15th. Um, and so that's when the word's going to be out of the bag and we're going to start doing it. But um, YouTube, we're just identical draw and we're going to be posting all of these um, hunts on there. We are firing up a podcast that we haven't even named yet. Um, so it's going to be podcasts um, out there too. I'm sure it's going to be something along the lines of identical draw. So we're going to hopefully be able to hear, like, get people's stories as well um, throughout the throughout the time hunting. So, yeah, that's, that's basically where you can find us. Awesome, man. Well, Nate, thanks for your time. Have a good rest of your uh, week, and uh, good luck with everything. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it a lot. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout-out to Nate. Please go and check out Identical Draw because I think what these guys are doing is very important for the sport, for the hunting community, and uh, I think it's uh, something that's going to turn out to be some really awesome content as well. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with us. And huge, uh, or not chat, man, I'm trying to do too many things at one time here. Where is my piece of paper? Here we go. Um dead air is never a good thing i want to thank the partners of this podcast vortex optics these guys are the title sponsor huge shout out to them and the average conservationist lone wolf portable tree stands wasp archery and ozonics scent elimination please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and we will talk to you next time